Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. This is Matt Gunlock from 3GIQ Podcast. I'm joined here today with George Dorbert. He's an avid three-gunner. He's, you know, been in the sport since three-gun nation days. He's a good friend of mine. I met him a couple years ago, and we kind of just kicked it off from there. Also a really good friend of Ian Norse as well. So kind of like, like that whole Pennsylvania crowd travels together type deal. So, George, can you kind of give us an introduction of yourself? Hi, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. you taking the time to talk to me about uh, myself and shooting sports. Um, and uh, I- I'm blessed because uh, there is a pretty core, uh, pretty tight core Pennsylvania group that travels around and they kind of accepted me into the fold, even though I'm in Maryland. Uh, I'm, I'm real close to the uh, Mason Dixon line. So they kind of bring me in and I hang out with those guys all the time and we shoot together. So it's, it's a good time. But um uh, like I said, uh, my name is George Dorbert. Uh, I've been shooting for, for a good while, and you, you made me feel old when you brought up about Three Gun Nation. I thought, <laughs> damn, that sounds like it was so long ago. Um, but, you know, what a what a really neat organization when it was around. Um, they, they did a fantastic job with, um, with really evolving the sport and getting it out there on the main front and getting it in the public view with, uh, with it being on MAV TV. Um, on that TV channel Lucas Oil has and running the, the pro series on air and allowing people to see what um, competitive shooting is all about. And, uh, uh, you know, they had some issues there towards the end, but man, what, what a great program to really get three gun um, and get the shooting sports promoted and, and get it out in the public view. Well, I'll be the first one to say I wouldn't be here in this community if it wasn't for three gun nation. So, you know, right. it did yep. a lot of good within the community uh, yes, a lot of people wouldn't have been, you know, the episodes where James Gill, you know, that's that's kind of where I found out, you know, hey, there's Marines doing this and it gave me the opportunity to jump into it. And that's kind of where I got my start. So I'm, I'm thankful for what they have done for the community. What a badass, you know, that, that James Gill, you just mentioned, uh, I love watching him shoot and I love the tenacity that he has and the, the attack he has on stages and that's just a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, no, his mental game and just watching him attack those yes. stages. It's yep. like nothing you've ever seen it. He, you know, for a guy who has one leg and one eye, he can just yep. attack it and he's better than guys with two eyes and two legs. It's amazing. <laughs> It's funny you say that because one day at work and I got I went back to work like on a Monday or Tuesday after a, a major match and one of the guys said, well, how'd you do? I said, well, I got my ass kicked by a guy with one eye and one leg. I said, how do you think it went? And they started laughing. They thought it was hysterical, but they just they don't understand how good of a shooter he is and how good of a competitor he is. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a compliment to to him and, and how he shoots and uh, how he carries himself when, in the match and on the stages. The guy's just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. No. So. Yeah. You you uh you kind of mentioned it, but you're a firefighter by trade, right? 
Yes, sir. Um, I, uh, I work for the Department of Defense for the United States Army, uh, civilian um, there in emergency services. Uh, I'll have 25 years coming up here in July. Uh, so I'm counting down my time. Um, like I'm going to go till next July and uh, then I'm going to retire. Um, I did like 20 and a half years on the operation side with suppression. I was a truck company captain and um, I had some injuries that really, really set me back and and made it tough at work. So I, um, I said, I'm going to ride out like my last five years uh, over in prevention and inspection. So now I'm a fire inspector. Um, I just travel around, do code enforcement stuff, building inspections, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's a pretty sweet little gig. I go out and do my inspections, uh, put my reports in and go to the gym and then I go home. So it's not bad. You know, I don't have to do the nights and the weekends and holidays anymore. So uh, I, I'm thankful for that. I wish I would have done it sooner. You know, my kids are younger. Yeah, because uh, I miss so much of them growing up, you know, doing shift work and working holidays and nights and weekends and all that. I wish I'd have done it a lot sooner. Yeah, no, I, I can. I feel for you there. You know, I'm I'm glad for the opportunities that I've had. But a lot of the opportunities I've had have taken me away from a daughter. You know, right. I, I, I can easily say since she was born. I spent the majority of my time either in the field, overseas, or traveling the country shooting three gun. And I'm thankful for everything the Marine Corps has offered and given me. But, you know, there was a period of time where uh, I just didn't have, I, I, I wasn't necessarily there for her the way I, I could have been. Right. Yeah, I but, get that, man. And I, and I tell you, I, I know, um, I can't imagine what a long extended deployment would be like, because I, I felt like I'd come home every other day and it was like, my kids were doubling in size, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was like, how, how they grow up that fast. And I, I couldn't imagine, and I was fortunate that, you know, I'd be away for 24 hours of time and 24 hour shift, but I couldn't imagine being deployed, um, six months, eight months, a year, extended deployment, uh, stuff like that. And, um, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate everything that our, Amer uh, American servicemen and women do for us. And, uh, I hope that everyone who, you know, thinks about them appreciate what they do for us and the sacrifices that they make. Uh, we, and, you know, honestly, we do appreciate that. And, you know, you kind of made remind me of something like the, the long deployments and stuff like that. So, you know, my last one that I went on, uh, I, I had the opportunity to fly to England and spend time with my wife and her family over in England. That's where she's okay. from. And uh, I remember getting off the plane and going to baggage claim. And my, I hadn't seen my daughter in 11 months. Uh, wow. And, you know, just seeing her eyes light up, like she had no idea that I was going to be there. And she was three, almost four at the time. And just her eyes really lit up. And like, that was the moment I knew that it was like, okay, I'm ready for this whole time overseas to be done and over with and I'm ready to just be home and like that was kind of whenever I made the decision like hey it's it's you know this is my last enlistment and I'm right. ready to I'm ready to retire after this enlistment because like there's nothing more special than seeing your daughter and your daughter seeing you and the eyes light up and it's like I'm home right and, and I'm, I'm not I wouldn't say that it's easier now but technology has made it Mm -hmm. uh, a little more tolerable with FaceTime and that kind of stuff. I mean, when my kids were growing up, I'm, I'm a good bit older, but when my kids were growing up, um, we didn't have that stuff. You know, it was like you had a telephone, you yeah. had a wall mounted telephone. 
yeah. you had to call them on the phone and talk to them and trying to talk to little kids with an attention span of zero is tough. You know, you might get high, you might get high daddy, and then it would be silence. Yep. And you got to just talk to try to pull stuff out of them. And, you know, that was tough, but I enjoyed every one of those phone conversations. And I would have loved to have had FaceTime and that kind of stuff. Uh, like my, my youngest daughter's a freshman in college now, and, you know, she'll FaceTime a wife. And I'll say, how come you never FaceTime me? She's because you're usually with mom. So I just FaceTime her, but she never FaceTimes me. It's always my wife. So then I got to put my head in the camera, you know, like this and lean over so she can see me. But, uh, you know, it's just my kids grew up with my wife one day I was home only half the time. So, yeah. um, you know, my wife is number one and, um, you know, it, dad's like second fiddle. So, you know, when they need something, if mom says no, then they come to me, but, uh, you know, my wife is their top priority and I, and I get that. And I, and I appreciate the fact that everything she sacrificed and did for them, you know, when I wasn't there. So, and you get that, you know, you're away. Yeah. So, you, you know, you know, our spouses uh our spouses are the true heroes that's for sure yeah. well you know i'll have to say thank you for you know they call you guys second responders but we couldn't be safe for the stuff that you guys do for <laughs> us back home you yeah know. you know I, the only ones that call us the second responders are the cops who are the first responders so they can secure the scene but you know they do that as a joke we, we get along with each other um like my, my main station that I'm at, the police are in our building. So, you know, there's some rivalries there. We laugh and we joke. I, I think it's funny, the second responder thing. But uh, uh, I will say that it is very unique um, working on a military installation and working for emergency services there and seeing the soldiers and, and the testing and everything that goes on where I'm at. And uh, it makes me appreciate living here in America and, um, you know, what we have and how fortunate we are for sure. No, thank you. Thank, thank you for everything you do. Yep. Uh, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, so you've been, how long have you, have you been shooting three gun now? Um, oh gosh. Uh, I want to say I shot my first three gun match sometime around 2012 or 2013. It was kind of a, um, it was like a little local club thing. The actual first three man, three gun, um, was started in York and it was like a bragging rights type thing. There was no prize table. There was no trophies. Um, and it was, I just, uh, I was, I started shooting like some steel challenge stuff at my local club with the 22. And I was like, man, there's gotta be something cooler than this. So then I started researching on, uh, online and I found USPSA, uh, up at York, um, a little club in York PA. And, uh, so I went up there and I shot like two USPSA matches, had no clue what I was doing, but the guys were you know, really supportive and helpful. And they said, Hey, we're going to start shooting this three gun thing. I said, what the heck is that? And they said, well, it's three guns. So it's three times of fun. I said, oh, okay, count me in. Um, so, you know, I showed up with what I had and of course, you know, being three gun, what it is, people loan you stuff with you know, gear and stuff like that. And um, they said, Hey, we're going to do this three man, three gun, get a team together. I said, okay. So I grabbed two guys from work who like to shoot and just mess around, have fun. And uh, we went up there and not knowing we, we were shooting iron sighted rifles um, and, you know, struggling, um, <laughs> you know, trying to thumb load shotgun shells in there. We had no clue what we were doing, but we had a great time. Um, the guys loved it, but they, you know, they didn't have the same passion and commitment that I had. And I stuck with it. And, uh, they, you know, they they'll watch stuff and they'll ask how matches were, but they just like to go out and have fun recreationally, but uh, they won't go out and shoot any more matches, but I wish they would, but, um, that's kind of how I got into it. And then from there, man, it just, uh, it was like being bitten by a bug because I just, I couldn't stop doing it. It's all I could think of, you know, while I was at work, I'd be up all night watching YouTube videos, old 
Three Gun Nation matches and when they were outlaw matches and they would travel around and then when they started to organize and you know and have the pro series and that and um, watch Greg Jordan and Daniel Horner and Joe Pith and Jesse Tishowers or and all those guys and it was just I said I want to do that and uh, I love it I you know I don't care if I'm last place or if I'm mid pack or if I win I no matter what me being out on the range is kind of like a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, I just love being out there because it's about the people you shoot with more than it is the shooting. Yep. Um, you know, I've made some serious friends that I might see once a year, but when I see them on the range, it's like, we hug each other. Like, you know, we, we saw each other the day before, I mean, just pick up right where we left off. And it's just that camaraderie with the other shooters is what it's all about for me. No, I'm with you there. Like, you know, obviously we always want to try and do really well. We want to finish our best, but where where it truly comes to play is how we are with the other people that are around us. You know, whether you're with the squad you never shot with and you don't know how they're going to be and what type of people they're going to be, you know, by the end of it, you're all best friends. Right. You're you're right about that. I, I, um, I tell you, I got, there's two guys that, we text each other, call each other on a daily basis. And I probably get 20, 30 texts from these guys daily. And I met them. Um, one guy, Eric Leopold, uh, met him. He, he, I think, you know, Eric, I met oh, yeah. him at the, one the OG Tar Heel three gun uh, challenge back when it used to be at Woody's. Um, he messaged me. He was like, Hey man, we're in the same squad. And I see you're a fireman. I'm a fireman. Uh, he's like, you want to hang out? I was like, sure. And we've been like best friends since that day. Um, and then uh, Mike Gregorio is another guy. He's a, he's a first responder up in New York. And uh, uh, same thing. He uh, We met, I think it might have been one of the old FN matches. And he came down to help RO. And, you know, he started, he would drive like four hours to shoot a club match at York uh, mm-hmm. just because there wasn't any three gun up there. But, you know, another guy who fantastic, just, I mean, we, we talk to each other every day. I mean, it's just. You know, you, you meet a lot of awesome people in this in this community in this sport for sure. It's no, you're right. It's a beautiful thing. And Eric, he is he is an outstanding individual. Just one of the most genuine individuals I've met. Like, you know, I oh, I you're think being I, nice, man. That guy's a pain in the ass. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I, I remember last year at Mountain State, you know, three gun championship. I, I think I, it was yep. the first time I really sat down and just talked to him and like we acted like we had known each other for a long time and it, it was yeah. just really refreshing to see uh how people are around each other and he's just a yeah, he's great a good great guy. person he's a good guy yeah that was a, that was a good match i like that match it was a really unique seat shooting here in west virginia my first time at that club and uh, the stages were really cool i had a good time shooting a match i mean it was a it's a hidden gem for sure it reminded me kind of like a lot of the old school three, three gun nation matches, the, right. the, the, the way they were set up. Yep. Yeah. A lot of fast uh, closed targets, but then there were some extended targets that you had to really, uh, you know, slow down and engage. And it was, I liked it. It was a lot of good options. And uh, um, even some of those real large open bays um, and some of that natural terrain type bay stuff was really neat. This, mm-hmm. just the way they had the different options in there. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that match. It was that was my first time shooting it, but it was one of those tough things where um, it was during my anniversary, so it was my anniversary <laughs> that weekend. And I and my wife has never gone to a free gun match, and I was like, "Hey, look, let's go to West Virginia. We'll check it out." She was like, "Why?" I said, "Because I want to shoot a match down there." And she said, oh, "I knew it was something." So <laughs> I finally, I was like, "Look, we're not doing nothing. We don't have anything planned. Let's just go." 
So we went and um, she was talking to Chris Donahue's wife the whole time. So she, uh, she did um, have someone to sit and talk to and she enjoyed talking to her. Um, so it made it a little more easier for me <laughs> back in the hotel. Um, but she said, I'll never go again. She said, I was bored sitting there, you know, just watching you. Cause she's very type A. She wants to, if she's going to do something, she wants to do it. She doesn't mm-hmm. just want to sit and watch. So, um, you know, she, she won't shoot in front of other people. Like she doesn't want to compete, but she likes to go to the range, but, uh, yeah. So Sorry, uh, I'm getting off topic. Yeah. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we all have goals and we have things that we want to achieve. Uh, what are some things that you're looking to accomplish this year? Um, my number one goal, no matter what year it is, is to always give back to the sport. Um, whether it's ROing major matches or ROing, you know, local club matches or helping out with, um, you know, being a sponsor coordinator for a local club match series and we're helping logistically with the, uh, the IWI point series um, you know, doing rules, writing rules, that kind of stuff. I always want to give back. So that's like my number one priority, no matter what it is, my number one goal is to give back and help new shooters. Um, because I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of knowledgeable people help me along the way, um, and teach me. So I, um, I'm not saying that what I help other people with, it is the right thing for them. Um, but it's just one way or one other tool for them to explore and try. Um, but I really appreciate the folks that helped me. So I try to give back. So that's like my number one goal every year. Um, my other goal is to keep, I, I started doing this 22 PRS thing and I love it. Um, there's like no reset, uh, but it has helped my long range three gun shooting tremendously. Um, because in the 22 PRS game, you, you know, you're 90 second part-time, but you're building a position either on a rooftop or a barricade or out of a truck bed or, um, things like that. So it really helps with your three gun long range because shooting a 22 and wind is tough. Um, so, you know, when you get in on your three gun rifle, you, you don't fight the wind as much, but you are fighting it a little bit. So, you know, learning that 22 game has, has really helped me. And that's something I want to keep improving on, um, for the upcoming season. And I want to try to shoot as much of that as I can. No, I'm, I'm with you there. That's something I, I want to get, more into it's just a matter of time um right. but it's I like think they have a match at, at, at the mars series yeah they do that's a that's a good match from what i hear because there's a lot of wind on that range and it it makes it tough to shoot that match yeah no you're you're absolutely right uh one of the things i did for battle for the south like i i just happened to have my 22 rifle with me in, in the truck so right. w- w- while i was an ro i was just you know whenever i was waiting for another squad to come on deck you know, I just brought the 22 out there and there was a target out at 166 yards. I was like, ah, let, let's just plink on this. And so, you know, I, I think I dialed like eight, 8.4 mils up, something along those lines. And, you know, we were having gusts up to what, 30, 40 mile per hour winds at yeah, times. That your stage had some wind on it, man. It was, mm-hmm. and you know, you talk about a right to left strong wind. It was, it was tough on that stage. There was a windsock out there. Was it like 400 yards? Yep. It was just straight out when yep. I shot it. Yeah. It, so. It's as if it was made that way just to stay straight. That's how it right. was the entire yeah. day. But you yeah, know, I, crazy. I, I, I hit the target, you know, probably eight out of the 10 times with the 22. I was like, Oh, cool. I'm happy. You know, 166 yeah. yard target and 30 mile per hour gusts. And I'm able to hit the target. All right. I'm good. Got my fundamentals yeah, that, down. That That's, you know, for me, that's like the number one goal is to always expand my knowledge and, and never feel um, like I, 
have learned everything or know everything um, because you can become complacent. So mm-hmm. doing that 22 PRS, um, a lot of guys will shoot USPSA, things like that. I, I encourage anybody to just do different shooting sports, um, you know, whether it's PCC matches or it's um, steel challenge, just to work on your eye movement from target to target acquisition, things like that. Um, I think that's uh, uh, very beneficial to shooters, especially new shooters and even seasoned shooters. And I hope that, um, you know, people don't just say, oh, I'm going to shoot three gun and that's it. I mean, they, when you start shooting other sports you see how much it improves um, your three gun game and three gun for me will always be top dog, but um, you know, the other shooting sports are, are very beneficial. No, no, you're right. And I think it's important that we, we do invest the time into the different disciplines and the different sports out right. there um, because one, it, it does help them but it also gives them an opportunity to see what our skills are and it it allows us to grow our own community. But then it just, you, you elevate your own game by what you have to perform there and you can bring those skills back to our, our our own sport. Well, you know, and it's funny you say that because like I'll shoot a PR of one of those 22 PRS matches and the guy will look at me and say, you shoot three gun. I said, yeah. He said, I said, how do you know? He said, well, you still got 45 seconds left on the part time. (laughs) These guys, and I forget that if you, you know, you want to stretch out that part time, the 90 seconds, Um, you know, there's usually like one time stage, like a tiebreaker stage where you want to get on the gas. But, you know, for the most part, you want to build that shooting position. You want to get in and and get on that rifle and the optic and, uh, you know, make sure you're getting your hits. And I forget, and I'm like, just going as fast as I can. And then I'll say, well, that was dumb because, you know, I could have had three good shots and got three more points if I would have just slowed down and, you know, maximize that part time. Um, but then when you do have that uh, time stage, um, I, you know, the three gun speed really in. helps out. Yeah, yep. it kicks in and helps out um, at the uh, Mars uh, 22 finale last October down at the Northern Virginia Gun Club. Um, there was a stage where um, the fastest time um with the most hits and points won a um a donated liquor bottle it was a bottle of screwball peanut butter whiskey mm. and you know and i shoot in the semi-auto division so which a lot of guys scoff at because i i you know there's something about a semi-auto i just the boat gun is just too slow for me but man i got on there and i worked it was like five different shooting positions and i just i break a shot and i'd hop the next one i, I cleaned it i went eight for eight and I want to say that my time was like 25 seconds or something like that. I just smoked guys and, you know, the bolt guy, bolt gun guys were a little pissed, but you know, it's because I shoot three gun a lot and I just had that mentality, move, 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 shoot, move, shoot, move, shoot, move. And, uh, you know, I liked winning that whiskey. I don't, I don't drink, but uh, you know, family members have enjoyed it. So <laughs> it was fun. Well, I will say yeah. uh, before we jumped on here, I made myself a whiskey sour. I had it for the first time yesterday with some uh-huh. blade and bow. And I was like, okay, this is my new drink of choice. Like perfect. So I, is this where like, I insert like a chicken no. drink comment or something like that? No. <laughs> old, old people Most... at the wedding drink comment. Or <laughs> my dad loves whiskey. So he'll go to a wedding. He loves whiskey sours, that and fuzzy navels. And I kind of snicker and laugh at him. Never, never had a fuzzy navel. And I don't think I want to try. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd say, you know, I used to like drink beer and I don't know anymore. I just got to the point where I said one year, I said, ah, I'm going to quit drinking soda, quit drinking beer and see if I can lose some weight and quit eating candy. Candy's like, ah, I don't smoke and I don't chew. So candy is like my bad vice. But uh, I went a whole year with no, no um, drinking soda or, 
or beer. I only lasted like eight months with candy. I was like, I got to eat some candy. You know, I was just going through like some sugar withdrawal. And uh, I said, I understand what addicts feel like now, you know, because I, I needed that candy. But um, yeah, and ever since then, I just said, eh, I don't need a drink now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm the same way. Like most of the time, I, I can go a full year without even thinking about drinking. Right. But, you know, with alcohol, I don't have that addictive personality. With nicotine, on the other hand, sure. Yeah, I have a dip in my yeah, mouth and, all day, every day. But Yeah, and that's, that's a tough thing for guys that are in our field, you know, military, law enforcement, uh, fire service, uh, stuff like that. It's um, you, you, you develop those bad habits, like you said, and um, they're hard because it's a, I don't want to say a crutch, but it um, can really take away some of the uh, negative things that we see all the time and um, some of that stress. And, uh, and, and I get how guys become addicted. And uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic. Um, so that's one of the things like my dad, he, he never drank because of my grandfather. And uh, I, I just, you know, I went through a phase through high school, college and stuff like that, where I drank a lot, but then I just got to the point where I said, yeah, I don't need this. So, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, and it's not like I, I, I don't condone it or anything, but I just, um, I it's just not something me, that's important to you yeah, yeah just personal choice to me yeah exactly yeah. it wasn't I mean, i still eat candy i still like the swedish fish and the sour patch kids but you know yeah but uh i don't know I, it, like if i'm with a bunch of buddies or something i might have a b or something like that but it's not half the time i drink half of it and dump the rest i just i don't know yeah, yeah. well i mean i i don't drink much when i do it's usually after a match something like that but before a match no alcohol and that's one of the things that we kind of implemented on the team as well none of us will drink a lick of alcohol before any match just because it can it'll take away that competitive edge you know right you don't want to introduce something into your body that you haven't really had in a while and you it just uh, it'll just dull the senses. And, and like I said, it takes away that competitive edge. I don't know what it is about it, but that's how it is. And that's how we treat it. We, we, it's like, don't touch it. Wait until after the match. Well, for, you know, a big thing for me is I'm fortunate. I have a Maryland concealed carry uh, permit, which is like, you know, selling your firstborn and your, your right kidney and, and giving up six teeth to get. And um, I don't want to lose that. So I, um, you know, I, I, when I'm with my family, I usually have my firearm with me because, it, you know, so much crazy stuff going on now that um, I, I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, man, I could have done this mm-hmm. if I would have had my handgun or whatever. And, um, it, you know, at first my wife was very um, opposed to me carrying around and stuff like that. You know, and she said, well, why do you take it everywhere? And, and I started showing her things on the news and i'd say look what just happened here in the grocery store look what just happened here at the movies look what just happened here at the airport um crazy people are going to do crazy things and um uh, you know i don't my main goal is you and the girls uh, my top priority um is protecting them and uh so i just got to the point where i said all right i you know i can't drink from carrying a gun so i um i just stopped altogether and uh once uh once i retire and move maybe maybe i'll get back to drinking some Miller Lite and stuff like that. Man, try whiskey sour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how do you train? And you just recently, this past year, I want to say it was like late last year, you kind of jumped into the open game. 
so yes. how has the training been from shooting tack ops to transitioning over to open? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> so I love, I love tack ops. I mean, that's the only kind of division that was always recognized locally up here where I'm at. Um, we had some open guys, but it was like one or two here and there, and they never really counted towards any of the point series or stuff like that. So I always stayed a traditional tack ops guy. Um, but I also felt like it was becoming stagnant and I wanted to do something different. Um, I, I, uh, shot, um, tactical games back in 2020, um, at the, uh, it was in Northern Pennsylvania. Gosh, what was it? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That place was brutal, man. They do a lot yeah. of the, um, I think the army ranger mountain training up there mm -hmm. and that place was brutal. It was tough. I mean, we did like a two and a half or two and a quarter, two and a half mile climb up this mountain that just, it was like almost hands and knees. It was so, the incline was so steep. And uh, while I was doing that, I thought to myself, my heart's going to explode and I'm going to die, you know, but at least I'm having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so it, it got me to the point where I thought this is fun doing something different. So I thought I'm going to try something different for three gun. Um, the um, Peacemaker range in West Virginia in Northern West Virginia there, uh, IWI was running a point series and they had um, TAC Ops, which I shot the first year. Um, Ian Norris won the TAC Ops division. I was second behind him. Um, and, uh, and I thought, man, I'm going to try open. And here's the place to try it, you know, because it's not like it's a, a, a major match where it was more of like a club type series. Um, so it was a good place to get your feet wet and try it. And um, I had a great time I and mean, it was, it was something new and it was something different. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. Um, so shot iron tight a pistol the first year and, and then um, it moved from um, Peacemaker to different clubs here in Pennsylvania. Uh, so it's kind of like a Pennsylvania series now, but it's, it's five different clubs that are involved. Um, it's to try to keep people interested in the shooting sports and get people um, to not be complacent and shoot at one club, to have them move uh, club to club and to bring in some revenue for these smaller um, local clubs. So uh, I think it's going to be a good thing and it's going to be fun to do. So I thought to myself, I'm going to shoot open there. Um, Matt Kitzmiller is, is there and the guy just destroys everything and open. He's just phenomenal open shooter. And, uh, I have an opportunity to shoot with him and learn from him. So I thought if I'm going to do it now's the time. So I invested in some, some good open gear, bought a, uh, dissonant shotgun, um, from Mike and Lan ever dissonant arms and, uh, um, I'm trying to piece together a, uh, you know, red dot frame mounted pistol. I had an old, um, 2011 style pistol that I had a, a local gunsmith uh, mount a frame mount on it for me and I've got a, a vortex razor on there um, so um, I think the next thing for me is next year is to to get a better um, handgun better uh, uh, red dot handgun but once I do that uh, I think it's full blown open for me just because I'm getting old and uh, you know every year my prescription my prescription is changing and uh so that's kind of how I got into it. I, I just wanted to do something different and explore um, different divisions. Like uh, when Three Gun Nation, Three Gun Nation was going on, man. I, I was like, heavy metal is it. I'm going to do heavy metal. Uh, I put together a nice two-way armament, heavy metal rifle, AR-10 rifle. Um, got a nice uh, Stoger pump shotgun. Um, <clears throat> borrowed my buddy's uh, 45 because he had a, a, a 2011 style 45 and uh, shot 
uh, heavy metal, I think one three gun nation match and the Texas three gun championship. And then after that, um, three gun nation kind of went away. So now mm-hmm. I have like heavy metal gear that just, cause you know, nobody locally supports heavy metal. There's not enough shooters. They're always worried about the steel, that kind of stuff. I think battle um, so, for the South is really the only ma- recent match I saw that had. Yeah. So recently. yeah. Um, yeah. Matt Kaus just won that. And um, yeah. I was watching him shoot on Friday and uh, had I thought about it, I would have probably shot heavy metal there just because I have all the stuff and it would have been fun to do. Uh, but I do intend to get back down to the Texas three gun championship. And I know Jeremy Moore just started um, another uh, three gun match down there. I cannot think of the name of it. Gosh, it's driving me nuts. Um, I think the match may be coming up or it just happened in March. I don't remember, but um, I do, you know, if I ever get back to shooting heavy metal, it's going to be back in Texas or maybe next year at battle of the South battle for the South. So uh, yeah, it was, you know, and I, I, I liked heavy metal and now I like open. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's fun. It's uh, fast. Um, I like quad loading. I didn't have any problems quad loading, but I do like the mag changes. Um, yeah. And I like the pistol dot. or I like the, the red dot on the shotgun. I like the side dot on my rifle. Um, I got the Vortex Razor dots on my shotgun and my rifle as an offset. And, uh, you know, those close paper targets with that offset red dot is nice. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about throwing your throw lever back down to one power or point shooting. So uh, I think the, the open game is fun. I, I like it. It's definitely challenging. It's I just thought it was going to be easier to pick up and learn, um, but it is a lot more involved um, than I thought it was going to be with, you know, trying to acquire the red dot on the pistol. I struggle with that. Um, but the shotgun and rifle is easy to pick up because you got consistent cheek weld there. But, uh, um, you know, everything else is, 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 is basically, um, easier to pick up. And, and a lot of that, and a lot of that drive came from the 22 PRS stuff. Um, cause I was shooting with bipods a lot and I was shooting with bags and I thought, damn, I should just, I got all this stuff. I might as well just start shooting open and try open. And when I did that at, um, the peacemaker i thought this is fun i like this this is like super go fast drag race right here and i like that so uh you mentioned battle for the south and shooting that um you uh and shooting it open so being an open shooter shooting for battle for the south what uh how was that experience there that was that was it wasn't that like one of your first major matches shooting open Yes. Uh, first major match shooting open. Um, and it was a huge learning experience for me. Um, I had s- some scheduling conflicts, so I couldn't shoot the match on Saturday and Sunday. So, um, what I ended up doing was I, I you know, got up at 3am to try to get ahead of the DC Northern Virginia traffic. And, uh, um, I drove down to, uh, Max and there to the Griffin group it took me about seven hours. And, um, Jason Riley, the match director, said, hey, man, he said, you got to get your stuff together. He said, I need to get you through these two stages right here because they were going to shut down the area where the plane was. Um, he said, I need you to get your stuff together. So it was kind of like right from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> um, you know, they were, they were, the guys were, the ROs were shooting the stage already. They had like three shooters. So I basically was trying to watch what they were doing uh, for my basic walkthrough. And uh, I just went at it. And I had a good time. Um, and it was fantastic. And I really appreciate what Jason did and Buddy and Buddy Brown and uh, accommodating me and let me shoot a couple stages on Friday. Um, so I wouldn't have to shoot all day Saturday because it, you know, it looked like I was going to have to shoot eight stages Saturday and then drive through the night home. Um, so, you know, the, the guys down there are just phenomenal. They did a, a, a super job with trying to help me out and accommodate me. And I really appreciate what they did for me down there. 
but Battle of the South was, was a great match for being the first, um, first year. Um, you know, the guys who ran it are experienced guys, so they weren't figuring anything out. They had it already figured out. And I, in my opinion, everything was smooth. Um, the ROs that they had were seasoned ROs that constantly RO matches yourself, um, Chris Weissman, um, Bob Osbeck, uh, Pat Parker, um, Bill Richburg, those guys. Yeah. yeah, those guys are like OG North Carolina, you know, three gun guys that are from way back in the Tar Heel days at Woody's. Um, so they're, they're probably the most experienced guys you'll ever see ROing. Um, and it just, it made the whole match smooth, in my opinion. Even with me shooting in like an accelerated format, it just, it was good to see everybody. In the, and I thought the flow was great. And I thought the stages were great. And just um, for being the first year match, the guys did a fantastic job. Well, you know, I have to, you know, Jason and I had a conversation uh, before the match even started. And um, I didn't necessarily shoot the match, you know, trying to get right. over some injuries and whatnot and just stuff going on. But, you know, just sitting there talking and like me and Jason were putting signs out. He's like, you know, one of the biggest things I'm trying to do here, you know, is I'm thinking about what I like at other matches and trying to implement that into my match. And then I'm also thinking of what I didn't like seeing at matches and, and you know, things I would do myself. And if I'm going to complain about something at another match, I'm going to have to make sure I don't fall into that same trap. And I do exactly what I didn't like and put right. the stuff in there. That's going to actually assist people. Simple stuff like putting signs at out like, Hey, this is where these, uh, this is where res registration is. This is where parking right. is. This is, you know, you can roll right into the match, not exactly ever being there and, you know, you can go right to where registration is. You can go right where the uh, camping is, you know, because they had the RV parking there. Right. You can go right into yeah, the parking was, spot. There was good communication um, before the match started. Um, there, you know, the stage, uh, the rules were put out. Um, the There was a, a, a Google Earth type map of where the stages were going to be so competitors could see. Um, where the stages were going to be. And that was beneficial because I didn't realize that there were going to be two stages over on the other side where the plane was. I thought it was just going to be the airplane stage, but they also had that jungle run over there, which was really cool having two jungle runs in one match. Um, and, you know, um, as far as like just the communication was fantastic. I mean, the, I didn't have any questions when I got there. I knew, you know, what the shooting matrix was going to be for the squads. I knew where the stages were. Um, I knew the rules. Um, and like you said, they had signage everywhere. Like every stage had a sign marking which stage it, number it was. Um, registration um, changed and they said, hey, now it's going to be the Connex at the entrance to the range. There was a sign there. Um, it, yeah, they, logistically, they did a really good job with that match. Yeah. Um, and it just it was a match where you had a bit of everything. You had the classic base style stages. You had a couple of those, you had three long range stages, you know, right. shooting out to what was it? 640 yards, something like that. Um, yeah. There were, there were a couple of targets that were 500 plus, like 550 yeah. plus. I mean, they were five sixty. I think it was the furthest one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they had two jungle run stages. So you had a mix of, Every right. style of three gun you could possibly shoot and you had it at one match. Right. Uh, you know, for me, I'm left-handed. So usually the only complaint I ever have is, is the stages are always right-hander friendly. Um, but that wasn't the case here. Um, 
the stages were set up where as a lefty, I had options to engage targets. I didn't have to lean hard around walls and that kind of thing. Um, the only thing that really concerned me as a left-handed shooter was out of the swap band. Um, mm -hmm. The way I had to, uh, the way I went prone didn't try to engage that uh, left um, target, that far left target. My comp was real close to the edge of the door, um, mm -hmm. but it was the only angle I could really get. And I thought to myself, okay, I may have to shoot this one target right-handed. Um, but I was able to kind of move my leg up to the side a little bit and um, get in the position and engage that target pretty quick. But, um, you know, I have no complaints as a lefty. I mean, it was it was a solid match. It was the stages were well thought out. And uh, um, Jason Buddy and, and John Sherbert and the guys who did all the stage design really thought about the competitor. Um, and they made the stages competitor friendly and they made them enjoyable to shoot. And, you know, for those people who, you know, care about prize table, prize bags, you know, they did the top 25%, but, right. you know, everybody did get a grab bag and, you know, there were some really good certificates in those grab bags. Some people got whole rifles. Some people got, you right. know, uh, they got $400 saw saw off. Some. Yeah. They got $400 off of, you know, Hunter's HD gold sunglasses. They, they, they took care of the competitors you know, they took care of everybody. I, uh, I received a nice uh, dire holster and gear um, complete package for a uh, holster, uh, pistol mags, and rifle mag. Um, and I, and I want to say that that's valued somewhere around 300 plus dollars. And I really appreciate uh, their holsters and, and gear and supporting the match and donating to the match. And uh, matter of fact, my buddy, Eric, he received the same cert. So, um, you know, I, I, we never thank the sponsors enough and mm -hmm. uh, we need to make sure, and especially new shooters, they need to make sure that they thank the, the sponsors and, and the match staff and that. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate, uh, I pre it was neat. It was definitely, it was along the lines of the way Memorial does it. Um, I think they started that last year with the, with the random uh, draw bag um, and then the top 25%. And, um, and I was hoping to have that tw top 25%, but shooting the match the way I did and in the quick format, shooting four stages real fast on Friday. Uh, I had some rifle issues. Um, I think, and come to find out, it was like my gas block had shifted a little bit, mm. um, which, you know, when you're on the clock and, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going bolt action there and you're racking those rounds, it's like, what the heck? And I worked through, I thought it was my trigger. I thought it was my buffer spring. Um, and come to find out, once I finally broke it all down, it was my gas block had shifted a time, but just backed off a little bit. And so I wasn't getting enough gas to reset the, um, to cycle the next round and reset my hammer. But I got to square it away now. But uh, next year, it's on for battle for the South for sure. I'm going to have Northern Yankee guy come down there and win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jeremy Gresham calls me Yankee all the time, but, uh, you know, I'm in Maryland, Maryland's below the PA or the Mason Dixon line. So we're considered a Southern state. I would say that's more Northern in my opinion, but yeah, okay. that's, that's what everybody, as everybody in Virginia South says that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm from Miami, Florida originally. And, you know, people are like, Oh, where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm from North Cuba. And people are like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm probably from the most Southern Northern state there is like Miami right. is, is not the South. It's more, it, it's like New York, California, something like that, you know, yeah. but you North go, Cuba is the perfect way to describe Miami. Yep. yep. And you, you go into central Florida, you're back in the country. Like you better be right. watching yourself, you know, you're hog hunting, you're doing all the country boy type things. Yeah. But yeah. Right. 
looking for yeah. anacondas that are wild in the Everglades and done that. Yeah. Caught gators yeah. on fishing lines. That's uh that's where I think we're gonna end up once I retire. My wife likes the beach a lot, so she likes that uh, Gulf Coast side, like Clearwater, Tampa area. So I like the mountains, she likes the beach, and um I think we have both compromised. Um we're gonna sell our house and uh get a small place down there on the on the golf somewhere and then get a small place in the in the mountains either in west virginia or north carolina okay um, somewhere like that virginia along the appalachian there and skyline drive area so hell yeah it just depends on where my kids end up i guess mm-hmm. so yeah or you could come out closer to where i'm at in Spotsylvania, and you know you're an hour away from like the shenandoah uh the shenandoah national park all oh that man that's stuff. beautiful country there beautiful country my daughter is big into like she's a uh, she's getting ready to graduate uh college she's a environmental wildlife some kind of major i don't know but uh she's like dad i'm gonna take this backpacking trip i'm gonna go down the skyline drive to shenandoah and, and do this backpacking thing and i was like you know what i think i better go with you the first time um, <laughs> you know, i'm a little concerned about you going on your own and uh, we went and <clears throat> I tell you, it was, it was awesome doing this experience with her. I want to say we did like eight, maybe 10 mile hike, um, camped overnight, hiked out. Um, but we had a storm, we had a thunderstorm roll through there and I could hear it in the distance. It's like zero, 100 hours. And I could hear it in the distance. And I thought to myself, Oh my God, please go around us. And it was like a tornado went right through where we were at. I kept thinking if this rain fly comes off, we are done. We're soaked. And the storm rolls out and about three o'clock in the morning, I hear a big stick break. And I thought to myself, that is not a squirrel. (laughs) I've been in the woods deer hunting. I know what squirrels sound like. That is not a squirrel. And it's getting closer and I can hear all these other sticks break. And I thought to myself, because she wanted me to pack out as light as we could go. And I I had a uh, M&P. And with a, with a TLR one stream light on it, I thought I'm going to take this pistol. It's the only light mounted pistol I have. So I took this pistol and stuck it in my pack with a spare mag. And I can hear this thing get closer, closer. I said, this is a freaking black bear. And I just knew it was a bear and I, it was getting closer and closer. And I pulled that pistol out and I had it up against her tent. And I thought to myself, this is a brand new freaking tent. If I shoot a hole in here, she's going to be pissed. She's never <laughs> going to forgive me. And I thought, I got to do it, though, because if it gets close enough, I'm going to have to shoot this thing. And uh, sure enough, it just, I could hear it breathing. And it it was like probably within five yards of us. And I thought, please just don't. And I hit the light real quick. And I don't know if the light kind of deterred it or what, but it just kind of moved on and went away. And um, she said, oh, I heard something last night. I think it was a squirrel. I said, no, babe, that was no squirrel. (laughs) That was no squirrel for sure. She said, well, I was worried about it being a bear and I didn't want to think it was a bear. I said, well, this is why I didn't want you coming by yourself the first time, you know? Um, So, but it was a good experience. She learned a lot. Um, You know, I made her, had her make fire and that kind of stuff. And uh, so she's definitely got some life skills out of it. Things that I feel comfortable that if she goes on her own, she'll be fine. No, that's good. You know, yeah, that's important. Beautiful, beautiful country there. And that's something that you two will, remember for the rest of your life oh yeah 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 that's that's a beautiful area you're in for sure so uh you know so you just shot your first major match of the season what other matches do you have planned this year um so uh i um i have on my schedule the tar heel challenge it's coming up that donnie flo is doing down there at the clinton house um if you're not uh people aren't familiar with that donnie has taken over the old tar Tar heel challenge that they used to do at woody's 
Um, it was the first major match I ever shot. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, guys on the East Coast, it was kind of like their where they got their feet wet um, with three gun for major matches, that and the FN match. And um, Donnie has taken that over. And I'm really looking forward to that because I know Clinton House has done some huge improvements. They just had USPSA multi-gun nationals there. They've really expanded that range. Um, they've made a lot of new bays. Um, they have a lot of huge, huge bays that are like 100, 200 yards, like 100 yard wide. Uh, a lot of natural terrain. They shoot a mile you can shoot a mile there. Um, they do that for the pro-am uh, so i'm really looking forward to that match uh, shooting the three-man three gun again this year um, i helped dean out with that by ROing that match um, i always try to ro at least one major match a year um, so right now it's just going to be the three-man three gun um, my team always ROs that match because they're a bunch of local guys and um, so we help out there uh, mid-atlantic um, multi-gun match at york in york pa uh, in june um, which is a, a really good, it's like a seven stage match. You can shoot it all in one day and they do Lewis class scoring there. Um, so you pick your percentage and it's a cash payout. Um, so all the, all the competitor fees, entry fees are paid out to the winners. And I think, you know, in, in years past, um, they paid all the way out to 50%. Um, so there was, there was a lot of prize money that was uh, handed out there at that match. Um, after that, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of local, um, three gun matches with uh, the York point series, the IWI point series. Uh, I'm getting into a gas gun series. Um, and I, I wanted to do that to work on my uh, long range shooting for three gun. Um, I thought that was going to be a good skill to really uh, pressure myself to shoot small targets. Um, we're going to be shooting like one or two MOA targets out to 700 yards. Um, so I wanted to, use my three gun rifle, um, in the recce division and, and shoot that. So I'm going to do that. Um, one of the requirements is, is you have to RO that match. So I'm going to be ROing their pro-am match, um, that's coming up this Saturday, um, at the new Holland rifle and pistol club. And, um, and then I really want to shoot Fort Benning this year. Um, every year I try to shoot different major matches. Uh, last year I didn't get to really shoot a whole lot because I had two kids in, in college and that's, you know, two out of state tuition bills is, is uh ain't cheap ungodly expensive um so uh you know i really didn't get to travel a whole lot and shoot major matches so my goal this year is to shoot fort benning because every year i want to shoot a different major match um I, I really like to shoot donnie's pro-am and the memorial match this year but again it's like scheduling conflicts for me so when i retire next year i'll be able to get back in the memorial match uh, memorial three gun to help them out I'm one of their brand ambassadors and um um, ambassadors for that. And it's a, if, if people aren't familiar with that, it's a phenomenal uh, foundation that gives back to gold star families, um, families that have uh, service members that were killed um, in their special forces community. So uh, they do fantastic work for the families. And um, it, it's just a, a great thing that matches. If you've never shot it, you need to shoot it. If you can't shoot it, work it as an RO so you can shoot it. Um, because they bring the families in and, you know, they talk about their loved ones that they lost. And um, it's a, uh, it's a tough thing. It's, you know, it's tough to listen to these family members. Um, but you really have a, a great respect for what our military does for us and uh, what these families sacrifice. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, our spouses are the true heroes here and um, what these family members, you know, endure losing their loved ones is, is tough. And uh this is just a little way to give back for them. And um, so I, I always try to give back to them and help them out. Um, but, you know, by then we're, we're like in November. So November here in the North is, uh, 
is tough because it is bitter cold and yes um you know usually we start getting our first snow in november um and there's times where like i once i got that dissonant shotgun this year i, I hurry up and got to the range and they were like good luck in the back pits because there was about two inches of ice and the entire pits were covered in ice Ooh. and there was a little bit of snow so i basically just stood as you know and i didn't take like i have these little slip on um ice um things you just put on your shoes and i didn't think to take them um so i i, I almost ate it twice uh, but i was like i gotta try this shotgun out and i ran a couple mags through it and i just I, I tried my luck there on the ice and but it's tough to shoot in the you know in the northern states in the winter time so usually november is about the the end for me um and then it becomes strictly like basement dry fire type stuff oh awesome well yeah um I appreciate you coming on here and I appreciate everything that you've told the listeners. Is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with any words of advice? Um, yes. Um, new shooters. Um, if you're a new shooter getting into sport, ask questions. Um, uh, you know, I, I ask people questions so much um, that like they stopped taking my phone calls, you know, cause I was, I was like jumping in with two feet and I just wanted to, absorb as much as I could ask questions. Um, this community is fantastic. The shoot, the shooting community, the three gun community, any shooting sports, people are willing to help you. You'll run into a couple people that are kind of, um, I don't want to say abrasive or uppity, but they may not help you out as much, but they are far and few in between. So if you're a new shooter, ask questions, um, reset. If you're a new shooter, even if you're a seasoned shooter reset, um, I think Jerry said it best. Uh, he said that, uh, Shooting is optional. Resetting is mandatory. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, everybody wants to sit down when it's hot. Um, nobody wants to run the timer. Nobody wants to run the tablet. But, uh, you know, without volunteers, uh, the shooting sports are going to go away. Um, so that's why I try to give back. And I, and I would encourage new shooters and other shooters to, to give back at least one match a year um, to help out uh, at their local level, give back as much as they can. Um, you know, and resetting for me is a huge pet peeve. I mean, you got folks who will reset like two targets, pace two targets at the front of the stage and then go sit down like they've done a whole lot. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's other targets that need to be paced. There's other knockdown steel that need to be picked up. You know, there's at the far end of the bay, you'll have knockdown steel, you'll have clays, you'll have whatever, you know, don't just pace two targets, walk to the end of that stage and, and help your squad out and be a good squad mate by, you know, by walking the whole stage and helping reset not only, your little piece, but somebody else's because, you know, whoever that shooter was is not doing the same job they were doing before. So um, that's one thing I would like to impart on shooters is, you know, just be that good squad mate and help your squad out. You know, you know one, of the, one of the things that we used to do or that we do do on the, on the shooting team, whenever I was in charge of the action team is we would make resetting a competition who could reset yeah. the most targets like, and you oh. see guys just sprinting right out there. I'll tell you what, Matt, I, that was always a highlight to see anytime the Marine Corps team was at the three man, three gun or an FN or, you know, anything locally that I was able to, to shoot with you guys. Um, I used to think to myself, man, when I was that young, I could run like that and I can do all that stuff. And I was always impressed at, at how hard you guys work every stage, every match and how much the Marine Corps team gives back to the shooting sports. It's just phenomenal, you know, what you guys have done. And, uh, and I know that that's going to carry on once you retire um, and the new guys coming up, you know, after you are going to, you're going to see what you guys did, you older seasoned guys, and they're going to take that and they're going to pass it on to the guys coming in after them. 
No, I'm excited to see where they go. Um, yep. It's it's going to be exciting, especially with uh, Alex Goking, Staff Sergeant Goking. He's he's in charge of the three gun team now, and you know he's he he's basically like he's read my mind on things I wanted to do. And he's like, I'm doing it. Let's do this. Like we're there. Right. And it's, yep. it's exciting to see. Yep. yep. But uh, anyways, I appreciate everyone listening, George, thank you for coming on. Um, I really Absolutely, appreciate man. this conversation. I appreciate your friendship and I look Absolutely. forward to seeing you again. Well, but, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to have me on your show and uh, it's, you know, great listening to all your podcasts and I appreciate the, the opportunity to speak to you and, and to uh, hopefully give something to somebody, a listener that um, may not, not have thought of something or didn't know about a match or didn't know about uh, the Memorial Three Gun Foundation or things like that. Hi, babe. Um, <laughs> My daughter so, just showed uh, up on camera. <laughs> <laughs> So I, you know, I, I do appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best with your show. It's a, it's a great show. No, I appreciate that. And I'll, I look forward to seeing where you go whenever you retire. Absolutely, brother. We'll see each other on the range. All right. Awesome. Well, thank all you right, for man. coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you.